Welcome to the Positive Vibe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bonick, and we got an awesome guest for you this week, PV Nation. This dude has had my back since our past first crossed in 2020. He's got one of the hardest work ethics of anyone I know, and is the definition of what success looks like when you stay consistent. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to episode 10 with Xavier Scruggs. X, you want to say what up to PV Nation? Hey, what's up, PV Nation? Uh, appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be on this platform talking with you, Matt, and uh, let's get it, man. Hey, let's go. All right, man. So take me back to day one. You're from Poway, California. You know, how was life growing up in Poway? Mm, yeah, Poway was, uh, it was cool for me because my parents had moved down in that San Diego area from being up in more of a Los Angeles area. And uh, like my childhood growing up was... I can't think of a better childhood because I had so many friends uh, just in the neighborhood that I could just go outside with, play sports, uh, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, like you could, you name it. Like we was doing all of it. And I think that's what kind of shaped a lot of my sports background and me being so excited about competition and, and playing and being athletic, man. It was, I was grateful to grow up in a, in an amazing city um, that was very forward as far as sports culture. And it was something that pushed me. And uh, I'm grateful for the parents that I had to kind of build the foundation there as well. That's awesome, man. Good to hear that. I mean, was baseball the passion since day one? It, no, it wasn't. Like, I love playing basketball. That was like my first love. But like, as I got to high school, I started realizing that baseball was something that I was getting a lot better at. And it was something that it was almost like the sky's the limit for that. Um, basketball, like you start to notice at a certain point, and so I was think sophomore year, like guys are getting much taller than me, mm -hmm. right? Like that was something that was kind of holding me back a little bit. And then I see football guys are getting much stronger because they're lifting during my baseball season, which is football off season. So I started noticing little things that led me more towards baseball. And then baseball ultimately was an opportunity for a college education through scholarship. And that was something that I was excited about. It was something that was a foundation of kind of my, my family and my, my parents, like always urging me to go and get a college education because both of them uh, ended up going to Cal Poly. They went to the same college and got their education. So that was something uh, of a priority and of, um, of importance to me as well. That's great, man. So obviously, fast forwarding a little bit, um, you end up going to UNLV. Um, you know, what other schools were you kind of interested in? And, uh, you know, obviously what led to that decision? Yeah, I was mostly interested in schools around Southern California, maybe Arizona, maybe Northern California. Um, uh, mostly San Diego State was a school that I wanted to go to because Tony Gwynn, my favorite player growing up, was the manager there or the head coach there at the college. Um, but it, I, I think it just didn't work out to where I was recruited hard enough by them. And then I started to think, okay, where's a school that I could go to where I could beat up on San Diego state to where I would be able to play them, be able to show them how good of a player that I could become. Mm -hmm. And that was UNLV. They were, at the, they were in the same conference at the, at the, at that time, the mountain West conference. Um, I had looked at Arizona, university of Arizona was another school that I was interested in. I had looked at, um, uh, Pacific and Northern California. I looked at Santa Barbara, um, some other schools, but UNLV, like the lights in Vegas. When I took a when I took a college trip there, that was like, okay, this is where I want to be. The nightlife is crazy here. Mm -hmm. I'm all I'm all about it. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. 
So you end up getting drafted out of high school by the Seattle Mariners. You know, was that ever a consideration signing or you really knew you wanted to go to UNLV? Yeah, that was something to where college was always a priority for me. That was always going to be a focus. It was something to where I don't even think I was ready to be a professional at that time. Um, And just knowing that I wanted to be a part of a university, try to make it to a college world series, uh, create friends on that team and outside of, of that team and go to class and, and still get that education. Like those things were exciting to me. And I think I was so focused on that, that I almost wasn't even thinking about even going professional at that time. And I was, and I was still 17 years old. Like most guys that had graduated were already 18. I was still 17. So I was like young for my age as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, Obviously, that adjustment, you know what I mean, a pro ball, I feel like at 17 years old, you know, that's obviously got to, you know, you you end up going on and developing your game and stuff like that, for sure. Um, so you have a great career at UNLV, uh, 328 average career, 34 jacks, pretty legendary, if you ask me. Um, so you, you end up getting drafted in the 19th round by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 2008 MLB draft. Can you take us back to that draft day experience and what that was like for you? Yeah, draft day was amazing, man. It was um it was it, when I was drafted it was actually amazing, but leading up till then, obviously there's some anxiousness, there's nervousness. I'm sitting at home and at that time everything's just on the computer, so you're kind of seeing names scroll by and you're like, "Man, when am I coming up?" I had kind of heard like 5th, 6th, 7th round. Um, but you just never truly know. So of course I'm more locked in during that time. And then after those rounds go by, I'm like, man, when am I going to get, get picked? And you start seeing these other names. You're like, wait a minute. I feel like I'm better than him. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm better than him too. Um, so I think eventually to kind of get my mind away from the computer and away from the draft, I went to the gym and, uh, that's what I normally do when I feel like I have like a, a, some type of, a uh, little thing going on to where I want to just get away. Like I'd normally go to the gym. I remember being on the Stairmaster and getting a call from the Cardinals organization and saying, we're about to take you. And my heart just like, <laughs> it just started beating so fast. And it was like, yo, I'm about to be a professional. I'm about to get paid to play baseball, mm. a sport that I love. And it was just it was a moment I couldn't for, could never forget. I remember immediately just going home in the middle of my workout, just like, yo, I'm a Cardinal, like telling everybody. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was an amazing experience, man. I'll never forget that. That's awesome, dude. I, I love hearing those stories, man. Um, so obviously, you know, the minor leagues is a grind. Um, I don't want, you know, on this show, I like to get more into the mindset and more into the story. You know what I mean? Um, I don't like to mm. really dive into the the numbers and anything like that. You know, this isn't a quote unquote baseball podcast. So I, I'm going to fast forward right. a little bit through the minor league career. Uh, 2015 or here we go. 2014, you make your MLB debut. You know, obviously that's, you know, a six year span. Um, how was that, you know, take me back to that day cause, or first take me back to when you got that call. Yeah, um, man, the, I mean, just thinking about I was in AAA and I had been grinding in the beginning of the season. I remember there was a point where I was hitting like 200. I was like, am I even cut out for AAA? Like, how am I going to get to the big leagues? I can't even hit in AAA. And then um, I remember there was an adjustment that I made uh, that just kind of changed my season around. And it was just like I, I had had enough of just being mediocre. And it was like, yo, every single time I stepped to the plate, I'm looking to do damage. I'm not questioning myself anymore. It was like a new confidence came. Um, 
in the middle of the season, and I just took off. And I remember it was about playoff time. We, we had just finished our first playoff game in Omaha, in Omaha, Nebraska, and we had – we had lost. We had got destroyed. I was like, oh, for four with three strikeouts. I was feeling horrible. I was like, man, I'm kind of letting the team down right now. And then the the farm director says, hey, um, we want to see you in the office. Manager wants to see you in the office, and we're going to talk to you a little bit. And then so I go in there. I'm like, man, I'm about to get chewed out for being just just horrible, <laughs> undisciplined today at the plate. And I go in there and they're both like staring at each other and they're like looking at each other and like, are you going to tell them? Are you going to tell them? I'm like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And then I married and the, my manager, Pop Warner, who's now the third base coach of the St. Louis Cardinals, was like, well, you're going to uh, Milwaukee tomorrow. And I was like, going to Milwaukee for what? And, and, I, and then I kind of like everything clicked and it was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to play for the Cardinals tomorrow against the Milwaukee Brewers. Wow. And then I just remember getting that feeling of like, we 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 did it and it wasn't just me like i thought about every single person that kind of helped me along the journey like everybody that's had their little two cents like i couldn't stop but think that this was not something that was just that that i accomplished it was something that everybody who had helped along the way accomplished um immediately called my girlfriend who's now my wife uh jessica and my 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 dad obviously was He's somebody that's put in so much time and work and effort behind the scenes. So I immediately called him and my mom. And uh, man, it was just it was a moment of like, yo, the grind has been worth it. Like the seven years in the minor leagues has been worth it. The time, all the extra time that you put in to try to separate yourself has been worth it. And you just felt it all at one time. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that feeling, bro. That's dreams coming true. That's that's everything, bro. That's awesome. Um, you know, take me through uh obviously you know the the hits, the home runs, that kind of stuff. Like those are moments you never forget, especially the first. Um, can you take me through the emotions that came with that first hit? Yeah, man. I just I, I remember feeling like I hadn't really arrived until I got that first hit. Until I like I smoked a ball off the right field wall in Cincinnati, and it was like, okay, I'm here now. Like I had had the jersey on, I had played a couple of games, but I I hadn't gotten that first knock yet. Mm-hmm. And I think even the fact that I like smoked it and like hit it off the wall told myself, okay, like I can hit here, but I can also make an impact here. And I think that was kind of like weight off of my shoulders. Um, it was something that I knew tangibly I could take home to, right? Like I, you get that ball, that first hit, it's like you staring at it like all night long. <laughs> and you're like, yo, this is this is what it's all about. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I want to do this more. Like it it kind of gives you that edge to keep going mm-hmm. and to to want more and to keep working. Um, you know, anytime you kind of meet a goal, I think, you start to ask more of yourself because you've met that goal and you're like, okay, I hit that point, but now I can keep going. So it's kind of a moment of jubilation, but also like huge weight off of the shoulders. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't imagine, you know, obviously, and just you, I'm sure you put a lot of pressure on yourself in the sense that like you wanted to, you know, impress your teammates. You wanted to come through for the team, like that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That that was one of the things that I probably did a little bit too much is just put pressure on myself to, 
to really try to impress and try to prove my worth. And I think if I would look back nowadays, it would, I would just try to enjoy the process so much more instead of worrying about, you know, what somebody might think and, and just go out there and ball. Hell yeah, no doubt. So we're fast forwarding a little bit. Um, you, your time with the St. Louis Cardinals is over. You sign uh, with Miami Marlins. Um, take me through, you know, what that transition was like going from St. Louis to Miami. Yeah, it was different. I mean, Miami, the really the fan base is nowhere near what you get with the St. Louis Cardinals. So the atmosphere is completely different. Mm -hmm. um, St. Louis, like everybody packs the stadium every home game. Everybody's wearing red. You don't get that in, in Miami. Um, the one thing I loved about Miami was just the city itself, like the, the actual place um, and the lifestyle and, and being close to my wife's, uh, family, they live in West Palm. So they were close there. Um, and just cultural diversity. I loved, I loved being in Miami because of that. Uh, also loved it because my hitting coach was Barry Bonds. Like he, <laughs> the goat was, yeah. was my hitting coach. Don Mattingly was my manager. Another, another great borderline hall of fame player. Um, and, and I had some really good coaches and really good teammates around me. Chris Yel uh, Christian Yelich, I had M Marcelo Zuna, uh, JT Realmuto on that team, G Giancarlo Stanton, D. Gordon. Um, there was a lot. Ichiro was on, was on that team. Like So I had a lot of guys um, that were easy to mesh with and get along with as well. Was there, I mean, obviously you named a bunch of studs there, you know, was there one teammate or anyone that kind of took you under their wing or, or really gave you a lot of advice or, you know, helped you kind of at that, you know, at that MLB level? Yeah, I think, I think it was, it, there was a respect factor that kind of like, you know, everybody seemed to try to be able to help the other person. I think that's what kind of stuck out to me is there wasn't, um, there wasn't really stuffiness in the clubhouse to where guys couldn't approach one another. Guys couldn't talk to each other. There was, wasn't an old school mentality that you get in some club clubhouses. It was really like everybody's trying to help each other. And I felt like I got along with everybody and, and it wasn't just one person that kind of took me under their wings. It was everybody that I just mentioned, plus other players that were just like, let's help each other out and let's continue to find ways to get better. So definitely all those guys that I mentioned, but but also like the coaches, everybody that was a, a part of that was the same way. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. I feel like that culture and and that kind of first off, like I forgot how stacked that squad was. As you're naming off those guys, I'm like, damn, you know what yeah. I mean? You kind of forget sometimes. It was, it Years go by. Stacked. <laughs> so definitely with the Marlins, you hit your first MLB home run. You know, that's, that's gotta be something, you know, you, you don't ever forget, obviously. So take me through, um, you know, take me through that moment. Yeah, it was special, man. It was just like, you know, you, you get to a point to where you're working so hard and, and I had hit a lot of home runs in the minor leagues and I just, it took me a while to hit one at the major league level. And I was kind of like, not doubting myself, but almost like, yo, when am, when am I going to crack one? Like, when <laughs> am I going to get my swing off? Um, uh, so I, it was, I, I remember coming up to the plate, Ichiro was on second base Chad Cool was pitching for the Pirates. He tried to run like a little two-seamer on the inner half of the plate. And I got my barrel out there, and I absolutely destroyed a baseball to left field. And when you talk about, like, being on cloud nine, that's <laughs> that's how I felt like I was. Like, I felt like I was running on clouds around the bases, jogging, um, and just, like, a surreal moment. Like, it didn't feel real. It felt like a dream. Mm. Um 
And it's like, it's tough to really soak in those types of moments because they go by so fast. But I felt like I was able to soak it in and kind of slow it down because I, I go back and I think about coming around third base and dapping up my third base coach, Lenny Harris, who was the all-time hit uh, pinch hit leader. And then coming home and dapping up Ichiro. Then I go in and Don Mattingly daps me up. And then Barry Bonds gives me a hug and he's smiling from ear to ear. Everybody's juiced. And it's something that I really soak in and, and was able to kind of realize the moment as well, because it was something that, that I had worked so hard for and, it was really grat- gratifying to be able to experience that. And you feel like you're at the top of the top of the mountain peak, mm-hmm. right? You feel like you're uh, up on top of the world and, and the success is, is bigger than anything. So that was, that was one of my most special moments playing at the major league level. That's amazing, bro. I love hearing stories like that. Um, so l- once again, we're going to move on a little bit. Um, and, you know, you end up, you know, your time in the MLB, you know, you're going to transition into the KBO. Um, so you end up going to play in Korea. Um, you signed with uh, NC Dinos, is it? Um, yes. How was, yeah. how was that? Obviously, that that's a whole story. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about when you felt it was the right time to, you know, at that time, you know, go from Major League Baseball to, you know, obviously Korea. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if it was the right time. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know because I've I've still felt like I could play in the major leagues. Um, but an opportunity came, and it was really tough to turn down because it felt like an opportunity to make a financial gain, but then also be able to um, be able to maybe ball out enough to where I get the opportunity to come back and 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 have myself a a major league contract as well. So I thought there was a lot more positives that came along with it. And I didn't want the question marks of maybe having to prove myself uh, and and being triple a going up to the major leagues, going up and down. I didn't want to have to do that anymore. So I was like, let's just, let's just commit and see what this experience is like too. And I had just gotten married. um, So that was even more of a bigger kind of question mark as well as like, what are we going to do? as far as living in a in a whole new country in our first year mm-hmm. of marriage, but it ended up being the best experience that, that I could ever have playing baseball. Um, played over there two years. My son was, my firstborn was, was born in Korea as well. So that was something that was special to us. And uh, yeah, but to answer your question, like you, you just didn't know if it was the right time. I just was trying to trust God and, hey, let, lead me into the right direction and let me do whatever I can to prove um, that this is going to be the right choice. Um, so that was that was kind of how we viewed it. Obviously, a lot of a lot of thinking about it, a lot of praying about it. But ultimately, uh, we came to the decision, and it ended up being one of the best decisions we ever made. Yeah, and your in your few years uh, with the Dinos, your your numbers are crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, was it sixty one home runs, two hundred eight RBI? Um, Dude, that's that's nuts, man. I couldn't imagine how crazy the people were going over there. They probably th- thought you were a freaking hero. No, it's yeah, it's, it's like a rock star. It's like a rock star lifestyle over there. Wow. Like just fans all over the place. Tough to get around at times, um, you know. But that's what you play for, right? You play for fan recognition. You pay. You play for that type of atmosphere. The baseball atmosphere is crazy in Korea, and uh, they love every moment of it. So I was just trying to soak it in. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. It's uh it had to be like a really special feeling knowing like you came there and did what you came to do. You know what I'm saying? Like you have nothing to look yeah. back and no regrets or no anything like that. I think that's uh there's something to say about that. 
Um, so let's transition 100%. to life after baseball. You know, tell me about how it kind of came to an end and, you know, what that first stretch was like after and kind of, you know, obviously when you first started getting inspired to maybe take that next step in your career. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it came to an end abruptly. Like I, I still wanted to play, but in 2020, I tore my Achilles and um, a, a year after playing in Mexico and um, wasn't sure what I was going to do, man. It was like it, it was kind of frustrating because I, I hadn't really had too many calls even before I tore my Achilles. Um, and then once I tore my Achilles, I knew it was going to be at least a year recovery. And I felt like at my age, it was going to be tough to really get back to the point I wanted to be at um, from a from a from a physical standpoint, but also just like a major league standpoint. I, I wanted that opportunity and I felt like it was going to be tough. So I said, there's other opportunities out there for me that I'm excited about. And the transition kind of led uh, itself in 2020 that we had a COVID, obviously a COVID year and everything was being broadcasted via from home um, and got an opportunity with ESPN who was showing and broadcasting the KBO games, Korean baseball games. And they asked me to come on and talk about my experiences for about 10, 15 minutes at a time. Did that a few times and and tried to figure out, okay, how could I maybe get into this media side? Because this is something that interests me and it seems fun mm-hmm. doing this. And uh, ultimately got a couple of opportunities and, and just tried to run with them. And um, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made uh, after, after retiring. Absolutely, man. Was it surreal, uh, you know, wearing that ESPN polo or, you know, getting that opportunity to, you know, hop on with ESPN. That's got to be unbelievable. Yeah, I think it was surreal because I had grown up just like so locked in on ESPN. Like I wanted to be in in anchor at times. Like I looked at Stuart Scott and I was like, man, this would be an amazing job just to talk about sports and just to have fun doing it. Um, ESPN was always on our TV at home growing up, like from 6 a.m. in the morning when my dad had already left to go to work, like we would come downstairs and ESPN was still left on the TV from my dad watching it, getting ready to go to work. So it was always like ingrained in our mind, not just sports, but ESPN in specific. And I think that's what's mostly surreal about it is like uh, a company, a brand, uh, you know, that I grew up really soaking in. Um, has given me an opportunity to, to leverage my platform and to continue to, you know, talk about sports, continue to talk about baseball. And it's it's probably the most fun thing I can do besides play the game. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's when you're growing up watching Sports Center and watching that, it's like everyone, you know, dreams about Oh, man, I wish I mean, whether you're on the highlights, you know what I mean, as an athlete or you're one of the people that, you know, an anchor that gets to, you know, talk about it. It's such a cool profession. Um, You know, when you're Mm -hmm. calling a game or when you're, you know, going to be on baseball tonight or something like that, um, what's your preparation process like, you know, leading up to the show? Yeah, I think, um, man, it's just I try to do whatever I can to find information that maybe others won't. Um, I, I just try to dive into recent articles um and maybe it's not even a a national article maybe it's like a local article from your local san diego padre uh you know beat writer that's covering the team whatever it may be i try to find some unique stuff and i try to bring it to the forefront and i just try to tell stories so i'm like always trying to research stories like and a lot of times 
the research is and the preparation has already been done just because I'm I'm naturally inquisitive about those things. I'm naturally trying to find out what are our special things about players. And I think that's what I love about ESPN. That's what I love about these networks that give you these platforms to do so is like when you get an opportunity to uplift a player, when you get an opportunity to talk about their success and, and talk about what makes them great, like that's that's what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. And it could be something that's not even on the field. It could be talking about something that's off the field. Like that's where I want to spend most of my preparation. That's where I'm trying to dive into. The numbers are going to be the numbers. Um, you know, the analytics are going to be the analytics, but everybody can find those things. I want to try to find the things that that most people cannot. And uh, that's where I spend most of my preparation. That's great, man. I love hearing the process for sure. Um, so this is one that is really exciting for me to talk about because when I was kind of, you know, going through it, um, it was it was watching you um, that, you know, ultimately we had MLB Network at um, I was working at Golf Galaxy in the back, like warehouse vibes. And um, mm. every day they'd have MLB Network on, bro. And every time um, <laughs> off base would come on, dude, it would be like it. it's it inspired me, bro, to keep going. I wasn't even doing PV at the time, but it but like we'll talk about the podcast thing. But being a guest on, you know, one of like way back in the day. Um, it yeah. showed me how far you've come. You know what I mean? It showed me that, Hey, if X can do it, I can do it too. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can wow. get there. Um, bro, I, I'm telling you, That's like love. watching you, like you can ask my brother, bro, same shit. It's like every time we see it, bro. Cause we remember that morning when we were in Baton Rouge and we recorded that episode. I remember what I was wearing. Mm. I remember that shit. Cause it was one of the first times I ever had an opportunity to do something like that. But one, one of my mm. biggest takeaways from that day was like the questions you asked, like you were like ahead of your time in the sense of like mm. you were intertwining culture, um, you were intertwining like fashion, you were in it, intertwining lifestyle um, within that podcast. And I believe like I couldn't imagine, you know, the doors that that opened up for you. But look at it now, like when you're on off base, bro, you're drip your style is crazy you're wearing the dopest shit like it's the same <laughs> shit but it's it's full circle you know what i'm saying um let's yeah. talk about off base a little bit and how that came about you know obviously a a show on mlb network for anyone that is unfamiliar uh but you're a panelist on that show and you do a great job man can you tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about yeah man well first off uh i appreciate the love man it's always it's always love getting to talk to you and we've been through some journeys and it's it's always it's been cool seeing your journey because it's all it's not always roses right like i think that's what we that's what we want people to know is like there's so many ups and downs that go into investing in yourself and like trying to continue to grow yourself and and figure out yourself as a person. I think that's what helped me along this way to this, to off base is I kept trying to find ways to use my platform to maybe be a little bit different. And then all of a sudden a different show came on, uh, came up as an opportunity on MLB network. And I was one of those guys to which they brought me into audition. And I'm like, man, I have no business really. (laughs) What am I doing? Like, you know, I had no business really because I didn't have that type of experience. But at the same time, you know, like when you're passionate about something, you're going to figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. Like you're just going to, you're going to figure it out. So the opportunity came and uh, I would say that 
I, I didn't even realize kind of what I was getting myself into because it, it's really been an opportunity for me to even help produce a show, like to really give ideas and to to really be able to bring a full full story to life. Um talking about the trends in the game and like you don't realize how much influence you have until you're doing an MLB network or doing an ESPN but that type of show where you sit down on off base and just get to just relax and wear like normal clothes and it's <laughs> totally different from every other show every other show on the MLB network like blessed to be in that opportunity mm-hmm. man because that was that was like all i kind of wanted from the jump was like yo let me be on a show to where i can just talk about some different stuff and be able to just be comfortable and just round table style bring you it's like you're just chilling with your boys having a beer mm-hmm. just chilling uh just cracking jokes like that's what i wanted man so it's been it's been a blessing we'll get ready for our third season here uh coming up pretty soon so i'm excited for it man yeah, that's awesome, man. Anyone that, you know, has access to MLB Network, you know, definitely check that out. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the best shows out there. That's for sure. Um, so I want to talk about no, a little bit that. about the podcast game. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Obviously, like like I previously mentioned, you know, it was on deck with X. Um, I, I, you know, briefly shared my experience with, you know, with being yeah. on the show. And I just remember how pumped I was when you asked me, like I was jacked up about that. Um, you know, what doors did the podcast like open up for you? Um, obviously you know, we're going to transition into your next couple podcasts, you know what I mean? But to start off with mm-hmm. On Deck with X first, what motivated you to start that? And when was the time when you kind of people started really noticing? Yeah, honestly, my wife kind of motivated me to start it. She was just like, you need to have conversations with people and just try to, if you, if there's ways that you want to give people information or if there's ways that you want to continue to put yourself out there, like, a podcast is a great way to do that. And it's a great way to help you to be consistent when doing it. And, but I think the biggest thing that came from it that I didn't even realize was just like the knowledge that I get to learn from other people, like Mm. selfishly, like sitting down, having a conversation with you, learning about the process of, of, uh, you know, PV and, and how it started and, and kind of the ups and downs and what you go through in an industry like that. Like I would have no idea, Mm -hmm. but like learning about that stuff, it comes full circle too, because eventually I want to start my own type of line, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to use uh, that type of knowledge and apply it to my own life. So I realized like that was that was the value in it was getting knowledge from every other person and being able to put give it to myself, but also put it out to other people. And to answer your question about once I start getting traction and attention, I think it was something to where. Um, I had the connection part of podcasting is amazing too cuz that's where you start to build these connections and you get to, you know, build relationships and I had a relationship that uh, that allowed me to reach out to MLB as they were trying to start their first podcast and so uh got some conversations going and ultimately that was one of the things that allowed me to have some attention but also you know using those connections in which okay I can sit down with somebody who's currently playing for the Dodgers, currently playing for the Cardinals, like, and and do it to where I can put out a couple a week. Like, a, a, not a lot of people can do that. So mm-hmm. I tried to use to my advantage what I was able to do in a short amount of time that maybe not a lot of people could do. And I think that drew some attention as well and, and gave me some opportunities to make some connections to continue doing it. Yeah, absolutely, man. You uh, Just the way you network, bro, I couldn't imagine. You know, obviously, I, I feel like... One of the coolest things is like 
like I mentioned, you know, in the intro, your consistency, um, you know, that's, that's such an important thing, especially when you're starting something up, you know, someone listening to this right now, like if you're trying to start a podcast or a YouTube channel or an Instagram, like it's going to suck for a little bit, you know what I mean? You're going to have to grind yeah. and you gotta, you know, you gotta too many times people want that overnight success or they want that. Oh, this, this yeah. episode's going to be the one that puts me on or whatever. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. you got to stay consistent. You got to stay putting in the work and like resilience and just not giving up. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's, right. that's what it's all about. Like if you don't give up, you will win eventually. You know what I mean? It might take a mm. long time. It might take a year for some, it might take two years for some, it might take six months for some or 10 years for someone. But if you don't yeah. stop, I mean, and your goals are realistic, not 40 year old trying to make it to the big leagues. You know what I mean? It's like if you have tangible goals and you don't stop, you can hit them every single time. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And I, I agree. And and we've had these conversations just over the phone. And it's like wholeheartedly everything that you said just resonates with me. And and it's not easy. I think that's sometimes we feel like, okay, it's easy to stick to those goals or easy to stick to being consistent even through tough times, but it's not. Uh, but I think having the right people alongside of you to be able to speak life into you, just like you just speaking right now, like that's what motivates us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're relational human beings. Like we're made to have relationships and those are some of the things that continue to urge us and push us in the right direction, even when we're not feeling our best. And I think that that's something that we have to consider and, and, and keep in mind. And, and consistency is something that we're all searching for in, in almost every aspect of life, right? That's one of the hardest things to do is be consistent in everything that you're a part of. Um, but once you are, you start to reap the benefits of, of what you sow. And you realize, like you said, it's just the hard work that that goes behind it. You don't know when you're going to get reap those benefits. You don't know, you know when it's going to come into fruition. But if you keep doing it, eventually it, it will come. Yeah, absolutely, man. And one one area that sticks out to me uh, the most with talking about you and consistency is like Instagram posting. Um, like mm. I remember one time I reached out to you about like, Hey, when a post doesn't get the response you kind of want, like, how do you keep, you know what I mean? You got to keep going, but sometimes that really like sets you back. And, um, yeah. I feel like that just for li- listeners out there that, you know, whether they're starting their own thing or, you know, just you know, kind of trying to figure out the algorithm or stuff like that with social media. Mm. Um, I think every single day, bro, I see you out there. I see you working. I see you doing your thing, you know, whether it's in the stories or on your posts, like, I feel like you don't you got to be someone that doesn't get down if a certain post doesn't get the response that you hope for. I try not to. And I think, I think because my perspective and my mindset is a little different than most people, because I could really care less about the followers. I could almost care less about the views. I obviously want people to see my stuff, but I think what I'm focused on is if, if the right person sees it, mm. like I just need one right person to see it, right? For there to be a, an opportunity. Say I'm looking at, I want to be on an off base type show. Like I don't need everybody to see the content that I'm putting out, but I do need that one influential person to see it. And I think that's kind of my focus is if I keep making the right content, somebody's eventually going to see it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And an example of that is, I go back to 2021 and there was a documentary that was put out about um, Shohei Otani 
And I had makes I had made some content about Shohei Otani and posted on Instagram, and it it did just okay, maybe maybe a couple thousand views or something like that. And then I posted that same thing on LinkedIn, which is more so a business uh, social platform. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, maybe I'll just put this out there. And I had the opportunity once a producer saw that piece of content. Uh, they asked me to be a part of a Shohei Otani documentary just off of one piece of content that they saw and then started looking more into my content or more into my social stuff. Wow. And so, like like I say, like you don't need a million followers. You don't need a million people to lo- love your stuff. You just need that, that right person because ultimately we're all looking, we're, we're putting something out there because of something, right? And all you need to is a boost to help you get to that something. Mm-hmm. And you and that boost isn't isn't millions of people. You just need the right person. I think that's kind of the perspective I try to look at it because I'm not trying to impress a million people. And it's really impossible for everybody to love what you do. Mm. But it is possible to have one or two people, the right people to love what you do and keep rolling with them. Yeah, I love that, bro. That's uh, you know, something I always think about like is this is uh, something I talk to my brother about all the time is like, we might go a week on PV where we gain a hundred followers, but we lose 80. And it's like, Mm -hmm. those aren't the people that you want on your side. You know, those aren't the people, you know, at the end of the day, like I have the mindset and this is, it is what it is, but it's like, if you don't, if you don't rock with the movement, like, I don't need you. We don't need you. You know, PV Nation's going to mm. move on and then keep doing their thing. Right. Um, we're again right. the right people that want to be on board with the message. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. My one buddy right. actually explained it to me very, very well uh, back in, I'm talking like 2016. Um, wow. He told me, he said, just because, like, for example, he broke it down in the example of the WNBA. He said, just because you don't necessarily have interest and want to watch it, it doesn't mean that other people don't. And if you are mm-hmm. to turn the channel or not want to watch the WNBA, it doesn't mean necessarily that you hate the WNBA or you don't like it. You just might not be as interested in that. And if that's a reason that someone unfollows or something, like that's okay. Like maybe not everyone wants to see mm. a clothing line or this and that or what it, you know what I mean? It's like, but hearing right. that perspective kind of like we change channels all the time. I mean, we're unfollowing mm-hmm. that network when we click that button. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's like those, right. those don't, those networks don't stop. You know what I'm saying? So it, yeah. it kind of just put that perspective and I just wanted to kind of share that. Um, mm-hmm. So continuing on the podcast journey, uh, tell us a little bit about the bigs with Xavier Scruggs and how that kind of came about. Yeah, the bigs was a cool kind of project just because it was MLB's first project. It was kind of the, the it was the project that I was telling you that I, I reached out to MLB after kind of getting a connection and, and heard that they were trying to do something. I'm like, yo, I'm already doing mm-hmm. it like I'm yeah. I, I want to I, w- I want to help because I'm doing it. And I think this is something men- mutually beneficial for both of us. Um, so, man, I got an amazing opportunity with MLB. Shout out to uh, shout out to Ian and shout out to Alicia. Uh, man, uh, they help kind of introduced me to the business side of MLB and mm-hmm. kind of the things that that go on there. And it's like, it reminded me, you don't have control over everything. So the one thing that I love doing was putting out these podcasts, but I wanted people to see the video. I wanted people to like visually see how people, how these players were talking about their process or some of the ups and downs. And 
that wasn't something that they were ready for yet. So for me, it was a great learning process because I'm like, okay, eventually I'm going to want to continue to do this. And maybe it's on my own, but let me take notes and and figure out, okay, what are the correct things that we're doing? But what are also the things that can get better at? Mm -hmm. Um, So an amazing learning process, amazing partnership with MLB and, um, Man, a, a lot of a lot of fun because it, it continued to push me to want to have those types of conversations with the guys. And they were obviously able to get me to sit down with guys that I didn't have relationships with. So mm-hmm. that made it even better and it opened more doors in that sense. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what what you're up to these days. You know, obviously we talked about, you know, you know, the TV uh, opportunities that you've had, um, you know, but let's talk a little bit about show and go with X. Um, it's a, it's a new venture mm. you've kind of started recently, you know, tell us a little bit about that and you know, what inspired you to start that? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's more so focused on this YouTube side of things. Mm. Like I want to be able to put out these long form conversations and, and visually want people to, to relate with it. And it, I want to give players a platform to where they can feel relatable to the everyday fan, to the casual fan, to maybe somebody that doesn't even watch baseball. But, oh, this conversation interests me Mm -hmm. because it talks about trending topics, about what's going on today. I feel like we don't hear enough of that from the athletes, right? Um, Especially in baseball, you play 162 games. Like Guys are going to give you the normal kind of standard answers before and after the game. This gives them a better platform to, to hear more about those things. And secondly... Like we're in a different branding, digital marketing age. Like I want to hear how those players feel like they have to market themselves or even if they are trying to brand and market themselves, what are some of the things that they're doing? Um, And a lot of these guys are pretty good at it too. So I, I want to hear more about that. And then thirdly, visually we're breaking down the player and, and analyzing what they do in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you don't get really anywhere with baseball is these guys talking about their own video, talking about their preparation uh, while watching what they're doing visually on the field. And I, I want people to see that. And so there's like kind of three facets of it that I feel like are interconnected in a way. And it's also a way for me to learn about YouTube in a place in which I want to continue to allow people to see my content in a longer form and, and get to know me more on a personal level as well. Yeah, I've I've been able to check out. First off, the visual is amazing. Uh, it looks like when you're watching it, it just looks like a high end production. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is so Appreciate important. It, yeah. You know, to get someone to captivate someone to want to watch, you know, a, a, an episode, um, it definitely has mm-hmm. that aspect for sure. And I love the the way, bro. It's the same thing. Like you're you're a trendsetter dude you're you're ahead of the time bro in a couple of years people will be on that wave but you'll be on a whole different wave bro surfing you know what i'm saying um hell yeah that's it that's the goal man that's the you already know hey facts bro um so as we kind of you know get to the end of this episode I, I hope everyone loves it i hope you learned a lot you know about this and and just what it takes to achieve your dreams but you got to be willing to chase them um you know the one thing I want to ask is like, if you could give people some form of advice in the sense of when they're playing careers over, um, I think a lot of people are, you know, end up being defined by the sport they play and they don't necessarily even see themselves as not an athlete. Um, yeah. you know, when, when that, when that time comes, whether it's in high school, whether it's in middle school, whether it's, you know, when you're 35 years old and you've played your whole entire life, you know, what kind of advice would you give to those people that are, um, you know, kind of getting to the end of their playing career? 
Yeah, that uh, first thing I'd say is you were made for so much more than just being an athlete, right? There, there's so much going on in this world. And don't just dis- get discouraged because you don't know what that is yet. You don't know what you love to do outside of playing yet, because that's what everybody has to figure out. Everybody has to figure out what they're good at. And it's not always easy, but I'm telling you, there's so many other things that will interest you, that you will be good at, that you will succeed at. And, and that, and that sports is a small window, like playing is a small window of our life. And my father-in-law puts it this way. He's like, you play three or four innings out of your nine inning life. Like you've played those four innings. What are you going to do with the other half of the game? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's just as important as the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of changes your perspective a little bit and reminds you that there's so much more life to live and that there's so much more opportunity. And I think once you get to discover what those interests are, what those ventures are, what those endeavors are, like you'll realize that life is really just beginning after, after your playing days. Wow. I love that, man. Um, all right, bro. So first off, I want to thank you for coming on the show, but I always end every episode with the same question and I want to see what you got. All right. If you could give one piece of advice to PV nation, anything, what would it be? One piece of advice to PV nation, man. Um, man, I, I would just, I would, I would just say you're bigger than what you think you are. Um, and I think a lot of times we we minimize ourselves, uh, our brand, our company, our business, because we only see kind of that tunnel vision. But really, we have such a bigger impact that we don't even realize. And I think, I, and maybe you do realize it, but I just look at, you know, guys wearing PV and even still some of the older PV stuff. And it tells you a lot about, it's not so much about, you know, like how it feels all the time, but it's more about that message. Mm. And I think that's what resonates with so many people. And I think that's what resonates with me is like, there's a message there that came from the beginning that, that people love. And I think that's always going to be the focus, right? And and that's, what's always going to attract people. Yes. It's great material. Yes. It's great uh, colors and images and all that stuff. But I think the, the beginning message has such a bigger impact than maybe you even realize at this time. And, and that's something that I would continue to feed off of. Oh, that's awesome, bro. I appreciate those words, man. And, uh, you know, real quick, I, I usually end it right there, but I want to talk, you know, for a little a couple minutes here on something. Um, yeah. Bro, I was, you know, back in 2020 when we first, you know, uh, were introduced to each other. You know, I, uh, I we always kept in touch after the podcast and stuff like that. Uh, but I remember I, there was a specific time where I was really going through it, man. And it was a, a month long stretch of I was, you know, it was I was in a manic episode and I was not in a good place in my head at all. Um, but you never mm-hmm. judged me and you were always there for me. And I remember even at one point I, I wrote this like poem that was important to me. And I, bro, I, yeah. I remember exactly where I was in Baton Rouge. Like I was, there was this park, I was pulled off to the park and I remember being on the phone reading that shit to you. Um, and, yeah. and never, you know, obviously, and I'll like, I explained it all to you and everything. And you were like, it was, mm-hmm. it was a cool moment, but it's like, you never judged me or was like, this kid's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You never, mm-hmm. never uh. one time, bro. And, and that's something I'll always take away from you. And, you know, um, you inspire me, bro, for real. And, and I appreciate you. Nah. Uh, I appreciate our relationship for sure. 
No, that's love, man. And I, I, I appreciate our relationship too. Uh, feel free always to talk to me. And the reason why, you know, we all go through stuff, man. And I think sometimes we're just asked or we're just called to listen, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and even though sometimes that may be a tough thing to do, but I think we, we don't always know what somebody else is going through. Like, I didn't know exactly what you were going through at the time, but I know that at that moment, or at, at specific moments, I'm just called to listen. And I think that's uh, that's something that we all need to do a little bit more of. But, uh, man, I appreciate our relationship. I'm glad that we could got, get an opportunity to jump on here and just just rap a little bit, man. And um, it's always, it's always going to be love, for sure. Always, bro. Well, hey, X, I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, PV Nation, let's have a great week, all right? Let's get it. <laughs> appreciate you, man. PV Nation, that's what's up.